As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. Uh, the plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. We're back with four to six with A and B. This is Bill Landis and Ari Wasserman, your Ohio State podcast on the Athletic. And Ari, I want to start this episode by exploring a little bit, just sort of the the missteps that people can make on social media and I want to own up to something uh you know I was watching the Super Bowl over the weekend and uh I just tweeted something that I kind of regret it and and, and uh mm-hmm. got a lot of crap for it so yeah. I wanted to like talk through it a little bit I said uh you know the more I watch this game the more it's clear to me that Ohio State was probably the best team in college football this year and I just I I feel like maybe I shouldn't have done that. I think I jumped the gun a little I bit I think sometimes we're friends and then sometimes like we're enemies and I don't understand the way your brain works were you mad at me? No. Good. I didn't want you to be mad at me. I'm not going to get you, mad. Uh, I wanted you to appreciate the humor in that. I appreciate the I humor. Because I laughed at it. I mean, lot. everybody seemed to be laughing at it. If you didn't, but I thought it was funny that you got one one hundredth of the taste of like what it was like <laughs> from people who can't understand nuance on Twitter and people thought you were being serious. Um, but like, imagine that mountain for like two straight days from everybody. Yeah. It was a long two days. Like I had, I couldn't look at Twitter. I can't like so I got yeah I have has I, that I, even ever happened to you? No, I don't ever. Well, I don't. I play it safe on Twitter. You don't play. You don't play it safe on Twitter, which I respect. Sometimes, sometimes I think you're crazy, but you put yourself out Who there. Who gives sometimes. a shit, man? I, I I don't care. I mean, like, as long I, as you have thick skin, you don't care about people literally screaming at you. Yeah, um, and then fine. like it's two whatever, days, like, once two days go by, everybody forgets about it, and you move on. And you know, sometimes things ha- sometimes it happens on accident. Like the whole point of Twitter and being a sports writer, I guess, is to be opinionated and to say things that maybe people won't agree with you. And, you know, the thing that stinks and the thing that irritates me the most, Bill, when people do that is when other reporters who can't understand your point 
twist your words mm-hmm. and then send it off to their fan base. And then like that happened to me a few times with Tennessee. Like when I wrote about Greg Schiano, and that was like actually like a serious discussion about Schiano and Penn State and whether or not he should have been the Tennessee coach and everything that happened in his past. And it was just like when the dogs get sicked on you from a homer reporter in another market, that's when really it gets hard. But in terms of like people calling me an idiot, like whatever, who cares? But um, I, that is the most Landis joke there is. And I should have seen it coming from you. You know, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little upset that I didn't think of it sooner. I didn't, I didn't think of it until I tweeted it with like three minutes left in the Super Bowl. Um, I would have, I would have done it earlier in the game, and then I sat on my couch and laughed at myself for an hour. My girlfriend's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Look what I did!" Like we're super proud and stuff. Like I did, did something noteworthy. I made a tweet. I made it. I didn't even make a tweet. I just copy and pasted somebody else's tweet. Yeah, but uh, it's all right. Someday I'll tweet a ridiculous hot take, and you can get me back. But my, I don't want to go down this road. Again. <laughs> no. I, I just, the, the thing I tweeted wasn't a ridiculous hot take. I know. I'm just kidding. Yeah, in my opinion. Okay, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about uh, happier things for Ohio State fans. It's National Signing Day. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. It's the second National Signing Day. It's not the real National Signing Day anymore. I think everybody knows that for the most part. I think we're pretty well aware how the dynamic has shifted. And December matters much more than February. Um, and Ohio State wasn't really pushing to add anybody late. Other then Cameron Martinez, the three-star, four-star, right? Four-star athlete from Muskegon, Michigan, who officially signed with Ohio State today. And we talked with Ryan Day. We talked with Kerry Combs. We talked with new quarterbacks coach Corey Dennis. We had, I believe, all 14 of the new enrollees uh, came out, if I'm not mistaken. At least, if not all of them, most of them came out. And I thought there's a lot of stuff to get through. But I thought the most interesting thing, Ari, was Ryan Day's Revelation that they're going to let Cameron Martinez start on both sides of the ball when he gets here in June. I tried to to get at this in the press conference, and I don't know if I asked it too lightly, but like to me, if I'm the head coach of Ohio State football, I'm not trying to get a fifth year of eligibility for C.J. Saunders. No offense to him, I'm trying to sign the next player at a position of need. Like It'd be if a you, sixth year, sixth year. Excuse me. So, like, let me ask you this before we go down this rabbit hole, Bill. Would you rather have sixth-year senior who probably isn't going to play all that much, whose major role is leadership and halftime speeches, or would you rather have a four-star freshman at a position of great need um, coming in that who could contribute and play right away? Like, to me, it just it doesn't make any sense yeah. whatsoever to me that Ohio State would lose a spot for a freshman – at running back that they desperately need to keep him here. And I understand yeah. loyalty and I get like, and that's ruthless. That sounds really mean to say, and I'm not trying to be, it's not nothing to do with CJ Saunders. I'm just talking about the situation they're in and they chose the senior. Here's the thing with that. Uh, CJ Saunders originally came as a walk on. If he does come back, there's no guarantee that he'd be on scholarship. And the thing with Jameer Gibbs... They're going to take a scholarship away after being a captain? There's no way. They could. He was a walk-on. They can do whatever the hell they want. But the other thing about it is, too, uh, we're full is a pretty convenient excuse for we weren't going to be able to get him. So I don't know if the comparison you're making is actually true. Yeah, and I don't know if it is. I, I To me, I the way it's been couched is Ohio State canceled the official visit because they did not have room. Mm-hmm. To me, you don't cancel the official, official visit beforehand. If you think you're not going to get him, you get him on campus and then reassess after. Like, it's always get him on campus for an official. That's like the main goal of recruiting. So if they thought they weren't going to get him, don't you make that decision after you host him for the visit? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, I just... 
I agree. I mean, I agree with you. And they the are full. Was. I mean, the numbers are the numbers. So they're over still. Yeah, yeah they're over still. Um, and I know that like they could. I love that you and I both are aligned on this. Of if it was the five star prospect that is going to change your program, you always find room. And I think you do find room. But I do think that like the idea of Cam Martinez, which is what started this entire discussion, um, playing running back potentially is kind of a byproduct of not taking Gibbs. If that was an option. I think it's a byproduct of that. I think it's um, throwing a bone to Cam Martinez because a lot of the stuff that was out there as Ohio State was going through the process of trying to keep him is that the other schools in the mix, Notre Dame, Northwestern, were selling him on playing offense. And if you watched one minute of Cam Martinez playing football, uh, he probably scored a couple times. And he's really explosive with the ball in his hand. So I could see why that'd be a good, a big sell for him. And, and when I was in Muskegon, just to add, he did say he thinks he would prefer offense, but he was open to anything. But everybody prefers offense. It's more fun. Of course, fun. everyone prefers offense. Ultimately, it's where you're going to get drafted, and I think most rational kids come come to that realization at some point. And I'm sure Cam Martinez will too. And and you know nobody knows where he's going to be, but like he's not the answer at running back, I don't think. But it's it's intriguing because you're talking about a kid who is very explosive, and I don't think they have a lot of explosion, or at least known explosion, like offensive skill. I think we think that Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are going to be very good, and the guys behind them are going to be. And we don't know that Cam Martinez is either, but he's a different kind of. Well, who's the most explosive guy in Ohio State's offense? One, want to say it at the same time? The um, most explosive guy? I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, is it the quarterback? No, 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 no. <laughs> outside of the quarterback, I don't like. Are you going to say Olave? Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, see, I don't know if I'd describe him as explosive. I would dependable. <laughs> For sure, fast, yes. It's over the top of the defense. Yeah, I mean, he's really, yeah, I guess I would describe him as explosive. Yeah, okay. I think explosive yeah. fair. Blocking punts. Like, I think he's a very explosive player. Yeah. And I know that, like, blocking yeah. punts isn't offensively, yeah. but, like, he no. made a lot of wow, holy crap plays. Yeah, he's a really good athlete. Okay. I, yeah, okay. Yeah. We're on the same page. Um, but he's kind of the only known commodity if you take the quarterback out yeah. of the equation, right? Like, we think Garrett Wilson's going to be with, with good reason. But. And there's a different types of explosive, too. Like Garrett Wilson could make a crazy catch that gets 19 yards. I think that I would consider that an explosive play, but maybe not as explosive as somebody who can run past the defense. Because I don't think Garrett Wilson is the run past the defense guy. I think he's the jump over defender in the end zone and catch a pass over somebody guy. Yeah. But those are different types of explosion. I think when I, when I think of that, I think of like scaring people. And Garrett Wilson could become very scary by the end of his career. I don't know if he's there yet. I think Chris Olave is pretty much there. Um, and Cam is J.K. Dobbins seems, explosive? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not straight line speed fast like we've discussed. No, I wasn't but even. It, I wasn't even yes. going there. Very explosive. I think scared you. Yeah. Was Mike Weber? No, I don't think so. Not 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 in the same. Case. Yeah. He, was, he was fast. So Ohio State does not have an explosive running back. They don't have an explosive running back, and and anyone else outside of Olave, it's like it's projection, and it's projection with Cam Martinez too. But mm-hmm. it's exciting to, to think about a but guy take, like that with the ball in his hands because they haven't had a, a guy. But you like take that. the one guy that you think could be explosive in the running back room and put an explosive guy in there that yeah. is that is projected to be explosive. Mm-hmm. It'd be like uh, I don't even know what to compare it to. A little bit like Curtis Samuel, but Curtis Samuel became like more of like just like the number one back by the time the end of the 2016 season came around, but something along those lines, like Cam Martinez, I don't think would be their every down running back or anything close to that. But like, I think when a, I view a pace, when I like was asking about this bill in the press conference, he said offense. 
But like I like was like, do you mean running back? Because like it, that could have meant anything. And then he said he said more of an H. He said more of an H. But H in the sense that it came to be defined under Urban Meyer, not H like KJ Hill H, like Paris Campbell, Curtis Samuel. Dr. That's the Wilson way I H. understood it. But yeah. you're the X's and O's guy, so no, how did you how, understand? That's how, I, that's how I took it too, because he was talking about jet sweeps and uh, reverses and putting them in the backfield and all that stuff, like not just pure slot receiver. Yeah, because like Ohio State doesn't run a lot of uh, under the center handoffs to running backs, but I don't picture him in that vein. No, no, neither do I. How big is he? My, I think uh, he's like six foot two ten or something. I thought I had my roster in my pocket, but I don't. I'll look it up. You talk. You vamp. The um five eleven one ninety, so six foot two ten whatever. I think yeah, that's I mean that's know. a pretty and he I mean he doesn't he looks pretty well built. Yeah, yeah. I mean I'm standing yeah. next to him. He he's a big guy. So um, I just don't know. But like he doesn't have the biceps that Kerry Combs had today. Can we talk about that for a second? Kerry Combs was talking, and like Ari like tapped me on the shoulder and like looked and like mount like didn't say it out loud, but like I read his lips and he said, "Has Kerry Combs been lifting?" <laughs> Shout out to Kerry Combs' biceps. Yeah, but he like looked- he's not thick like J.K. Dobbins was. Yeah, and but I think that's also getting the program and 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 make it happen. But I do think that we've seen true freshmen come in and do things. I think there is an opening on this offense to to step up in that way because there's not much back at receiver or running back. I think the guys that are older in the program who haven't been on the field that much are um, not not in great standing. I think they have every opportunity in the world to go get a starting job, and I'm talking about guys like Demario McCall and Jalen Gill. But the fact that we haven't really seen anything of them in meaningful moments tells me that the coaching staff is still waiting to see more from them. And if that continues, then there's like a lot. There's space for Cam Martinez or Mookie Cooper to, to come and be like this kind of dynamic playmaker that the offense is looking for. What does Ohio State need more, offensive explosion or help in the secondary? That's a really good question. Um, maybe I might lean a little more towards offensive explosion. Because you're talking about immediately for next year, yeah. I think offensive explosion, yeah. Because well, I like, like Cam Brown and Seven Banks and Sean. Yeah, White. they have some guys in the secondary, but like I asked Harry Combs this on Wednesday. Um, Ohio State at one point had five defensive backs committed, and then they lost um, Clark Phillips. Clark Phillips. Sorry, I. Uh, Forgot his name. If you don't go to Ohio State, I forget you exist. Um, Clark Phillips to Utah, um, and then Cam Martinez was like a must-get for the secondary. So, like, if the whole closing him to Ohio State discussion was about letting him play offense, then it's like you're back to three. Yeah. And I don't know if they have enough numbers back there without Cam Martinez in the mix. Um, But, like, Ryan Day also said that he sold Cam Martinez by saying – it's my job to get the best secondary coach in America in here to replace Jeff Halfley, and they're going to do that. And I promise you, you're going to love it. And he did. So it's just like there's mixed messages there of what was the thing that put him over the top? Uh, was it Kerry Combs coming in? Because I thought it was. But like the idea of him playing offense seemed to be kind of a revelation, the biggest revelation of the day, in my opinion. And maybe it'll it'll work itself out to be just a scenario where um, Ken Martinez is is a defensive back, whether that's outside corner or nickel. 
and and both were mentioned for him uh, when we when we spoke to people today. But then you maybe get him involved in the return game and get the ball in his hands that way. And then like every now and then you're like, oh man, Cam Martinez is on offense, but it's not like a regular thing. Maybe it's more of a switch up gadget kind of deal. And that's how you get him involved in the offense. Because we I don't, has Ohio State done that in the past? I don't think they've done that since I've been on the beat, but they do did they do that in the past with guys who were like mostly defensive guys, but every now and then they would put them on offense. I can't think of one example. Unless you go back to Gamble in two thousand two. Yeah, he was the first one I thought. I, I, of, but I he, he was a legitimate two way player. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, maybe maybe can't. Uh, it, this doesn't happen all that much anymore. It's not to say it won't happen, but typically Ohio State is deep enough everywhere where they don't need it to happen. And maybe Cam Martinez is good enough to force their hand. Zach Bourne was a fullback and played linebacker. That's not the same thing at Those all. Those are the ultimate skill positions. Yeah, um, that's my kind of two way player. I, uh, I kind of feel like I get what you're saying, um, and I think at other lesser programs that that makes more sense. Ohio State has too many athletes on this team, in my opinion, that are dedicated to their position to need to have to do that. Like, I don't know, like, why that – What what is the benefit of putting somebody in that – If you think he's better, it's just a matter of – If he's better, he's then he's he better. should be playing that position, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, like, that's it. Then if he – if you need him enough to put him on offense as a defensive player, then you need him on offense. It's kind of a shame that Cam Martinez isn't here in the spring because this would be a really interesting spring to monitor because that's the kind of year where you just like throw shit against the wall and see what happens. And I usually just believe that like if a player's position is being switched, that he sucks. Like that's my num- that's like my my go to thought process. And I know that like Billy Price was a defensive lineman at first, and then you know moved over and you know Adolphus Washington and moving inside and outside on the defensive line. There's been like success stories with position moves, but like. This is a completely different scenario. It's like trying to identify what he's there for. And it's like I think he might be the most pure athlete they've ever signed. It's like I know people always want to compare these like three-star athletes to Darren Lee, but like Darren Lee, I think they knew from the jump was going to be a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Even though he played Malik quarterback Harrison, and Malik too. Harrison, they were all linebackers. Um, this person is like, what, can, are there any pure athletes they've signed that they didn't know once they got here what he was going to play? The, uh, this is probably the most extreme example that I can think of. Um, there are some other guys. I tried to ask Ryan Day about this today. I didn't ask it very well, but like I think Mitchell Melton is probably better labeled as an athlete, and I'm writing about him. Um, maybe Court Williams, but Court Williams is like a safety. I talked with him. He was the guy I talked to like with the most today. He's a safety. He's in the defensive backs room, uh, which was an interesting revelation. He's not with the linebackers. He expects to do some work with them, but he's not like he's not Pete Werner where he's in the outside. He's an outside linebacker in the linebacker room and and doing some occasional safety stuff like court Williams is, is a defensive back who looks like a linebacker and we can talk more about the bullet position later, I guess, or, or down the There's road. There's no bullet position. There is a bullet position. Just that, uh, Brendan white wasn't better at it than Pete Werner. Um, no, but cam Martinez, I mean, he has to be cause he like Torrance, Torrance Gibson was an athlete. But we all knew he was going to be a receiver. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anyone else. If you're, if you're screaming into the pot to your listening device of choice at the moment, Tweet at us and tell us if we're getting somebody. This is, I, th- I think, it's a little unique. Yeah, and I don't know. I'm a little, I'm a little caught off guard by it, only because it seems so set in stone that he was just going to be a defensive player, and that was it. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I just don't know how much stock to put in the Ryan Day saying in February before Cam Martinez is even here that he's going to play offense. But it's too interesting to not talk about. I don't know. He like suddenly to me becomes like the most interesting player in camp in August. I don't even know if he's going to play, but I think no, I'm not a coach, so bear with me on this. I 
don't know how you can take the only player I've ever seen in recruiting who scored more than 110 touchdowns in his high school career. 110 touchdowns. That's a lot. How he could not play offense. And your head coach is an offensive guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Go watch his highlight tape. He, every single play he scores or throws it to somebody who scores. Yeah. That's what Kerry Combs said, right? He's like, I watched 10 minutes and only double score. I mean, if you score 110 touchdowns, that's a, how many uh, highlights <laughs> plays are in an average highlight video. It's not, it's not, um, this like new scenario is not. I think all that game changing to to the back end of Ohio State's defense because I never expected Cam Martinez to play this year, and if he was going to be a defensive back, I, I assumed that would take some time for him to become a a starter slash regular contributor. But it makes me think a little bit differently about him now if he's going to be on the other side. I think it's easier to make there's more openings. I think it's easier to make an impact because it seems to come more naturally to him. And I know that this never really takes into account when you're talking about athletes, but what does he want to do? He just wants to dance, you know. I mean, let him let, let the kid play what he wants to play. If he, or if there's a need for it, that's my take. Maybe they'll put him in the quarterback room. Yeah, maybe he wants to play left guard. I don't know. Talk Luke, about a good story for you, huh? Luke Whipler uh, today was the last player to come out and talk, and he like came out and talked by himself. And somebody asked him, like, Luke, are you a center or a guard? And he's like, I'll return kicks if they ask me to. And I thought that was funny because now I want to see an offensive lineman return kicks. Maybe Luke Whipler can play H-back and Cam Martinez can play guard and Paris Johnson. Paris Johnson's probably athletic enough to play a skill position, right? On a worse team? I mean, he can do like the electric slide. Just go check out his highlight tape. Yeah. We got a uh, – well, we well, I'll pocket that. Let me see that. Keep Somebody uh, live tweet you something? No, no, no. We're going to talk about Luke Fickle later and Michigan State and all this stuff, and he did a radio interview. Um where he didn't really say anything, but uh, can I guess what he said? Go ahead. Are you going to read it? I'm not on Twitter. Um, did he say something like, I'm not interested at this time? No, he said, I've talked to nobody. That's the truth. Obviously I'm very good friends with Mark D'Antonio, but I have not communicated or talked to anybody besides Mark D'Antonio in the last three or four weeks from Michigan state. That is from Justin Williams, our Cincinnati writer, who's pretty plugged in with Luke Fickle. So if you're interested in what's happening with him and or potentially happening with him in Michigan State, I would follow Justin Williams on Twitter. I'd follow Colton Pouncey on Twitter. I'd follow Nick Baumgartner, Baumgartner on Twitter because things are changing in the Big Ten. I haven't heard from the New York Yankees, but if they want to hire somebody as their general manager, just give me a call. I also have not heard from the New York Yankees, but that doesn't mean but, I wouldn't take the job. Yeah. No, it's nothing. It's just yeah. it's just Luke Fickle speaking. Those are words. The yeah, they're just words. That's all. That's all this ever is. It's I think eighty five percent of all, of uh, sports information Twitter is just words, just nonsense words. It's yeah. our job to parse through all yeah. the bullshit. It's just words. Find out what's real. All right, let's just talk about Luke Fickle then. We're yeah, let's just it. talk we're about it. Come it on, later. this is the best part. Landis and I were at each other's throats on text message yesterday. I don't know if we were at each other's yeah, throats. Yeah, we were. You were doing the condescending tone through text. I could feel it. I wasn't. I just disagree with you. Actually, I don't disagree with you. Part of it's playing devil's advocate. I just can't tell with you sometimes with that shit. Like, if you actually think something or, like, you just have such a hard time agreeing with my point of view. Well, you're really letting it out there. No, it's not that. It's not that at all. Um, I don't. I think Michigan State should try with every 
available resource it has to hire Luke Fickle. And if I am Luke Fickle, I'm not sure that I would say yes. That's where I'm at. It has nothing to do with you. I thought that before I saw you tweet it. And you weren't the only one who tweeted it. Everybody tweeted it. Yeah, I mean, I when I first saw the news that D'Antonio was stepping down, my initial thought was that's what happens when you recruit a dog shit recruiting class. That's what happens. I mean, it's also it wasn't like Luke Fickle. You have terrible off the field incidents. Yeah, Um, you have some of which are caused by you. Potential NCAA issues happening. Yeah, yeah, but like more than just a recruiting class. But like, I didn't even think of Luke Fickle at first, and like, obviously, that's the first jump. But like, to me, there are six or seven or eight jobs in America that Luke Fickle would be great for. Mm -hmm. I think the best job that Luke Fickle will ever have in college football is Ohio State or Notre Dame. Um, I don't ever like envision him being the Alabama, USC, Texas coach. I think he's a Midwest guy who knows Midwest coaches and recruits Ohio really well. Um, he came from the Jim Trestle system, the same as Mark D'Antonio, and you know the most successful coach in the history of Michigan State, which was D'Antonio, came from that system. It is a very interesting place to recruit Ohio at, um, and Luke Fickle is the reason why D'Antonio started sucking at recruiting in my opinion like he was so good at like taking players out of Ohio like it was just one more school that that Michigan State had to face in Ohio to get those middle tier three-star prospects that turned out to be great between Penn State I mean sorry between Pitt Kentucky and now Cincinnati with Fickle like that's why Michigan State's recruiting went bad went bad so you want to go take somebody who can who, who knows? He probably knows more coaches in Ohio on a personal level more than anybody on Ohio State staff, maybe outside of Kerry Combs, right? Madison's been recruiting Ohio for yeah. a long time. I mean, yeah, Madison too, I guess. Well, he stopped recruiting him at Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, And it's just yeah. like the idea of at Michigan State, they'll probably pay him a ton of money. At Michigan State, they had somebody who coached there for 13 to 13 years which isn't typical anymore in the sport at Michigan state. You can come in and recruit Ohio and the leftovers that Ohio state does not have room for develop them and create a really good team at Michigan state. You don't have to win the big 10 every year for it to be a successful season. Well, that's at, my at Michi- biggest question with it is what, what are the actual reason? Here's the, here's how I view every coach taking any job. What are the reasonable expectations and can you actually achieve them? Yeah. And I think that the reasonable expectations at Michigan state would be exactly what D'Antonio did. And I know that he won a bowl. He went to a bowl game. What twelve out of the thirteen years I saw on the ESPN's bottom line, that's like the smallest benchmark of success because going to a bowl game isn't that thing big of a deal anymore. But I think winning ten games two out of every five years is the success point. Competing for the Big Ten once every five or six years, and maybe getting in the playoff once a decade or once every fifteen years, I think is a reasonable expectation for somebody who can recruit Ohio, recruit the shit out of Ohio. And keep these kids in the in the program, develop them the way that D'Antonio did. Have a have a great eye for talent, and then when these kids are juniors and seniors, and I've been in developing in your program for three or four years, and all of a sudden you got a really good team. And I know that everybody's like, "Well, Michigan wasn't Michigan yet." And Michigan uh, and Penn State wasn't Penn State yet when Michigan State was at the height of its success under D'Antonio. It's like, who gives a shit? Those teams don't recruit Ohio anyway. It's not about where they recruit. It's about whether or not everything you just laid out, win 10 games every other year, go to the playoff once in a night. Like, can you, oh, can every you, four years, can you do that? Yes. I don't know. The if best can. teams that Michigan State had at Ohio, that beat Ohio State and got in Ohio State's way, that Michigan State team that beat 
Um, Ohio State in 2015, the Michigan State team that beat Ohio State in 2013 would shit on Michigan right now. Would shit on them. And I understand. Yeah, I just don't know. I just don't know if you can do that anymore. I don't but know. But like beating Ohio can. State, Penn State, and Michigan at the same in the same season is harder now than it used to be. And I get that. But if you put together those D'Antonio type teams that were really good back in the past, I do think it's good. I don't think Penn State is some sort of juggernaut in comparison to what they were in 2015. I don't think Michigan. I think Michigan might be taking steps back since 2015. And like I think Michigan State, I mean, Harbaugh the, still wins eight, like nine, ten games a year. Yeah, no, I know. Even though he can't beat Ohio State, I think Michigan's better now than it was back then. Penn State's definitely better. Ohio State is. I don't know if Ohio State's better. No, it's probably a little better. I just think that like we we people are like looking at Penn State and Michigan as these college football juggernauts when like really the best teams that I've seen in the Big Ten in the last 10 years in terms of keeping up with Ohio State were Michigan State teams that were built off Ohio talent. My thing about it, about what what Michigan State is at the moment, I think is less about what's ahead of them and more about what's behind them. The rest of the Big Ten, I think, is pretty good, is is better. I think the bottom of the Big Ten is better than it was back then at, to a greater extent than the top of the Big Ten is better now, if that makes sense. I don't know if I said that the right way or not. but Just the bottom half of the Big Ten is better than it used to be. Yes, but to a greater extent than the top half is better than it used to be. I get it, yeah. Um, which just makes it harder to put together 10 win seasons. And if you're not, if we're you're going, existing if you're going in the eight, 10. Right. But if you're going, which brings me back to the ultimate question if you're going eight and four more often than not at Michigan 10, is that good? Michigan State, is that good enough? And I don't know if it is. I'm like, I don't know. The I think it probably is. There. If that's good enough, then I guess, and you, if that's good enough, you're not going to have your feet held to the fire for going eight and four, occasionally nine and three. Maybe I think nine and three year, is a successful season. Year, ten and two. I think it is too, but I don't know if the expectations have become outsized because of what Michigan State was in Antonio's best years. Antonio won. He was. He's got the notepad, boys. I just wrote it down because I want to make sure it was right. he was sixty-five and sixteen from two thousand ten to two thousand fifteen. Went to the Rose Bowl, won it, and went to the playoff and lost to Alabama. I don't think that's realistic for Michigan State anymore, but I wonder if the fan base and the administration there when the hired next coach like expect that. And if they expect that, I wouldn't go near it because I don't think you can do that. Well, like when you say I wouldn't take the job if I were Luke Fickle, what are you waiting for then? Something where you can have the resources and ability to meet the expectations that are set for you. I feel like walking head first. So like just let's make up hypothetical jobs. What would those jobs be to you? Basically anywhere in the Midwest. I think he can coach anywhere in the Midwest, Pitt, West Virginia, Notre Dame. Anywhere, sorry, anywhere in the Big Ten, maybe outside of Wisconsin, Pitt, West Virginia, Notre Dame. Because Notre Dame is like the destination job, I think. You get the Notre Dame job, there's no going up from there unless you go to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, Pitt, I don't know, it's kind of out there in no man's land. And I guess it's a kind of on equal footing with Michigan State, in my opinion, in terms of like job. Yes, I would, I would think so. You know, um, and then West Virginia, I don't know, it's kind of a weird. I don't know, maybe West Virginia is in that category too. I just always his even, name came up for that job yeah. when it was open the last time. Geographically, I just even though it's close by, it doesn't seem like a Big Ten team, and it's because they play in a conference they that throws it team. around. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's like. Yeah, there are some challenges. Like the NCAA thing makes no sense. Or, I mean, makes it harder. Sorry. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, 
and I don't know what the penalties are or if there are going to be any. I don't even know. Like that's some serious shit that happened over there. Um, but I just don't know if how you penalize it or like what the rule was broken was. Well, I'm not even. It's not even. Mark D'Antonio was accused of committing NCAA recruiting violations by this employee who has a wrongful termination suit. I'm not even talking about the stuff of Larry yeah. Nasser and the athletic department being on fire. That's a whole other thing. Luke Fickle comes from a place like Ohio State where there's really good alignment between the administration and, the, and its athletic coaches. And I think it's pretty good at UC, even though his, his AD just left for the USC job. I think that would matter to him when he's making a move, and I don't. I'm not going to pretend to know the ins and outs of Michigan State's athletic department, but from an outside outsider's perspective, it looks like it hasn't been great the last couple of years, and there's some serious stuff going on there. Like you said, that would give me pause if I were a coach. Like, is this the is this is the structure here right for me to be successful? Mm-hmm. I think that. Matters. I just think that I think the other thing though is that yeah, that stuff does matter. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. Just like, what are you waiting for? It's like you could wait for Penn State. You could wait for Pitt. Maybe Pitt will come open because Narduzzi takes the job at Michigan State. Isn't like Narduzzi on the short list there too? Yeah, I would think so. So like, Fickle, I think Fickle is probably higher on the list than he should be. But I, I, I honestly think that Fickle was made for that job. I think they're going to pay him a lot of money, try to pay him a lot of money. I think they're going to give him time to turn it around. Even if they lose eight or nine games the next two years, they're still going to be in a position to build. I think he can automatically mend the fences and recruit Ohio better than they already could because he could separate himself from the dumpster fire that's happening there. Mm-hmm. I think that he would, in turn, cripple Cincinnati um, from recruiting Ohio the way they have been recruiting Ohio. Even Why? Because I, I think that Luke Fickle is a very unique personality for recruiting the state. He's got name recognition. He's got the Ohio State thing going on. He played at Ohio State. He's been recruiting the state for 15 years. Like, who do you... Who do you replace that's going to outdo Luke Fickle at Cincinnati? Kerry Combs. That person doesn't exist. Well, if Kerry, I asked Kerry Combs about that today, and he was like, "What the hell?" If Kerry Combs goes to Cincinnati, then we'll we'll have a discussion about it. But um, Marcus Freeman, I think, would have a good shot again. Yeah, that who's just a younger version of Luke Fickle. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I I just so my point remains. I think that that is the ideal candidate and i can't picture anybody better for the job than him i don't disagree with that part i think he is the yeah. ideal candidate and, and i think that they'll do him. and bend and over backwards to, get, to him. get him yeah i just and like him i don't know what you're waiting for the potential to pe- maybe coach at pit like is that worth it's waiting not, two more years for it, or i don't know if it's a situation where like you're waiting for something that like at its base level you would consider a better job i just think sometimes timing is bad and maybe you can go anyway and it'll work out for you. I'm not saying if he goes there, it'll be an automatic disaster. I think yeah. he is tailor-made for that job. But there are a lot of extenuating circumstances there that can make it really difficult. I think that he would at least get five years to do things. And I think if they drop a big enough check on his back, timing goes away real quick when you have some time to try to build it the way that you want to build it. Kind I of don't know if that exists in college sports anymore. Who does that? Who's given the time to do anything? I think given what's going on there that he could use that as a negotiation chip to what end. So he gets paid on the back end. If he does get fired, like, I don't know. I just don't I think know you go if, into the job the knowing that, that you're not going to get fired in 18 months. Cause you can't overcome the dumpster fire. That's over there right now. They're going to go pay all this money to Luke fickle and fire him. Cause they couldn't win the big 10 after like maybe getting uh, the worst recruiting class of the last 10 years. You wrote that down. Where was the recruiting class this year? Was it like the worst class? 40, they had? No. 42nd? Second. 
D'Antonio's classes were 53, 42, 22, 22, 32, 34, 37, 26, 23, 17, 36, 31, 32, and this one was 43. So it's the second worst class he's had, but not totally off base from what he's done. I mean, this class is, is a freaking bad. It's not a good, yeah, it's I mean, not like a good the, class. But. So that in combination with the fact that they, in theory, could have uh, scholarship reductions as some sort of NCAA penalty. I don't know if that's going to happen. That's just me saying it's possible. That's yeah. That's all. The NCAA stuff is all speculation. Speculative. Also, it yeah. Might, it might even not be. It might even not even be true. But if that was the case, how could you possibly? I mean, I'm Bear Bryant couldn't win there. Yeah, I know. And I also think that like the reason why we've we've dedicated so much time on this on this podcast is because it's also going to have an impact on Ohio State. It's going to make their division harder. Michigan State never came in, and outside of L.J. Scott, am I forgetting anybody else? I don't think that Michigan State came in and took Ohio State players that Ohio State wanted. But like, They've it's kept Ohio State from flipping guys a few times. Yeah, never, never taken a guy. I think that was uncommitted. And they, you now they had the Gavin Cup thing happen, and you know whatever. But there's something that hurts Ohio State when that team has. 31 or 35 or 45 Ohio players on their roster who didn't have enough stars or there wasn't enough room for Ohio State to take those teams develop into something great and then beat them. Like I, I think that that like 2015 team was probably like the toughest pill to swallow of the Urban Meyer era because of that that simple fact. And like this does have an impact on Ohio State and who they hire does. And I just think that like Luke Fickle would be crazy to sit back and wait if he's going to get a huge raise um, because some of the off-the-field issues that are happening right now are in the way. When coaches get the benefit of the doubt and get this completely separate themselves, that's the whole reason there's an opening. I wonder what UC is going to try to pay him to keep him. I think he makes like a little less than $3 million a year, and I'd imagine Michigan State can probably pay him like five, maybe even six. Um, More than Ryan Day? Well, Ryan Day is going to get a raise. Yeah. A big one. A big one. A big one. Gene Smith's going to crack open the checkbook. Why don't you throw a few shekels our way, uh, Gene? Have I, like, convinced you a little? Are you starting to come around, or do you still think I sound nuts? I don't think you sound nuts. I I'm, I probably sound nuts to anyone listening. Um, I just don't know if Michigan State can be that, like, be what it was anymore. Because even if Luke won... I think you're making assumptions that Luke Fickle is just going to get all the players from Ohio that he wants. Obviously not the Ohio State caliber guys, but basically anybody else that he's going to get them. I don't know if that's true. You think like Kentucky can outbeat? Because like Kentucky still exists. Like UC, I think it's not like Luke Fickle has laid the blueprint for UC, and if UC loses him, they're going to hire a Luke Fickle clone to do the exact same thing. Try to do the exact same thing. I think that makes Michigan State's life harder. It's helped that like Michigan has stopped recruiting Ohio. Um, that helps Michigan State. But I don't think it's going to be as open for Michigan State to come and get those guys as it was six years ago when D'Antonio was doing it and, and, and building up his roster the way he was building it. If he ever wants to coach at Notre Dame or Ohio State, and we're making up these goals for him, mm-hmm. I don't know if his ultimate goal anymore is to, to coach at Ohio State. I'm sure it is because who wouldn't want one of the top three jobs in America? But Michigan State and Pitt, maybe Kentucky – are the three power five jobs in my mind that are the stepping stones to those two jobs. Yeah, but I mean, we have proof that you can go from Cincinnati to Notre Dame, don't we? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, the whole Brian Kelly thing is, but assuming you don't want to wait it out, those three jobs are nice intermediate stops. Do you view Michigan State as a stepping stone or an ultimate destination for him? I think it could be both. I don't I think, think it's if, an ultimate destination if those other two jobs never materialize. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess you'd rather be there long term if you're doing it well. Be Would there. You'd rather be that. Nobody's going to be Cincinnati's head coach for 13 years, right? But I don't think Michigan State's any better of a stepping stone than Cincinnati. I guess if you were, if you had to pick a place to be long term, like guarantee that you'd be successful enough to stay there, you, I think you'd want to be at Michigan State. But in terms of springboard to a better job, I don't. I think he's just. I think he's just as well off at Cincinnati as he would be. But that's the thing. That's the springboard to the better job. Fickle is kind of a Midwest guy. So, like, what's the best job there is? And whether you're at Notre Dame and Ohio State. So, whether you're at Cincinnati or Michigan State, I think that, like, taking that next – I think that any Power 5 job is better than any non-Power 5 job. Maybe Cincinnati is better than Oregon State. Like, there's certain – No, that's not true. No, no, I know. I mean, I know what you're saying. You you know what I'm saying. Like – I know, like Houston and certain places. I'd rather be at Houston than Oregon State. Yeah, yeah, I, I get what you mean. There's some Memphis and some of these other schools that have been fun to watch the last few years are good stepping stones for bigger jobs. But what I'm saying is, is as the natural progression, you want to go to bigger, more powerful universities. And Michigan State is bigger and more powerful than Cincinnati. And at one point, three years ago, was the third or second best team in the Big Ten program, maybe. When D'Antonio had things humming in 15, where would we have ranked Michigan State in terms of best program in the Big Ten? Fourth or higher? At the time, probably second. So at the, if, if Michigan State was ever the second best program in the Big Ten, that's – Maybe uh, third. You know, I don't know if you can ever, like, rank them over Michigan or Penn State. It's all about, like, t- you know, not the real rankings, but, like, the current rankings that we always do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think Michigan State is a very attractive place, especially – once all this other stuff blows over. Okay, one last point about this. Because it's the other thing that's in my head about this job, and I said it, I've said it to you already, and I said it at the dog when we were talking about it mm-hmm. in the Woody earlier today. If your ultimate goal is to get to Ohio State, and I don't know if it is, I'm just assuming it is because Luke Fickle's from here, went here, recruits Ohio like a madman. If the ultimate goal is to get to Ohio State, could it be could it be to his detriment to go to a place where you were going to regularly lose to your place that's a dream job? I guess. I sometimes wonder if he already, through no fault of his own, kind of lost that whole And Ohio State might not want him. Yeah, Ohio State might not ever want him again because they had him again. Had him one year, and through no fault of his own, it didn't go that well. Um, I guess so. I mean, like, I don't know how many coaches go, I want this is my dream job, but I'm not going to take the promotion now because I don't want to be off the track of that. Mm -hmm. I think you just take the promotion that's there in front of you. Um, like my dream job was to cover college football for the Sports Illustrated five years ago. I did not take jobs because I didn't think it was a magazine. You just you know do the best you can, get paid more, and yeah, continue to progress. And then one day, if the stars align, the stars align. I mean, I think Luke Fickle would be an attractive candidate, and I think you know um, if somebody is for that job based on other things besides whether or not the program that you're leading beat them. He'd be a hell of a coach at a Division II school like Jim Trestle. I mean, how many times would Youngstown, you know, head-to-head stuff and certain things I don't always think are black and white. So I think I understand what your point is. But if, there's a reasonable there's, expectation. Of course, if, Ohio, if Youngstown State played Ohio State, they would lose, but that's expected. There's a reasonable expectation that you would be able to beat Ohio State if you were in Michigan. 
or if you were Michigan State. I think there was a reasonable yeah. expectation that Cincinnati would have been able to be competitive with Ohio State this year, and they were not. But what was D'Antonio's record against Ohio State? Uh, like three, three and, and ten four. or something? Or no. He was three and four against Urban, I think. Three and four against Urban, like yeah. that's unbelievably successful. Yeah, D'Antonio is a really good coach. Yeah, I think Luke Fickle has a chance to be a really good coach. And like these Ohio State, like I, I just like can't imagine somebody shying away from it because of that. Yeah, I mean, I've never had to make real decisions with the stakes this high, so maybe I'm overthinking it. You just take the job that's going to pay you more money that's right in front of you and then deal with the consequences later. And the part of it, too, is like... And it's like if he wins two games out of five, that's great. And the way these jobs are structured, too, it's like Chris Ash went to Rutgers and sucked and got $20 million as like a parting gift. Um, I like parting gifts. It's just a matter... I think you have to be cognizant of whether or not you can go to a place... And obviously be successful, but also if you're not successful, like do you leave it as damaged goods? And coaches get recycled all the time. I think less like so it. in college for head coaching jobs. Like Luke Fickle, if Luke, Luke Fickle, Fickle went to Michigan State, well, and like failed, what's a dumpster a fire? Like if you went Michigan State and went three and nine five years in a row, would he not be able to be the defensive coordinator at Akron? Or I mean, or at uh, no, it's not not that. Akron he or can, any yeah, other. He could get a the, coordinator job. Yeah. But it's I don't know if he get like I don't know if Chris Ash is ever going to get an opportunity to be a head coach again because his first attempt was a colossal failure. Even yeah. though Rutgers is a really hard place to win. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. But like if Chris Ash is a defensive coordinator at a really good program and they have the best defense in America three years in a row, you don't think another program that is in the middle of the road would take a flyer on him? Yeah, they could. There they has could. To, yeah. I just think it happened. I think it happens less in college than it does in the NFL. Yeah, I just like I, a. I think the Big Ten at the bottom is better, like you said. But I do think that. You know, if he won six or seven games a year, it's not the same. I just like if he goes to Penn State, which is another job that you brought up, and he wins six or seven games, that is a freaking well, yeah, dumpster fire. Well, the yeah, the, the, I mean, the goalposts can move if you go to Penn State because you can recruit better players to Penn State than you can to Michigan State. I know, but I don't think Penn State's been all that much more successful than Michigan State in the last ten years. They've been less successful. The last ten, totally, yeah, sure, but I mean, some shit was going on at Penn State too. No, I know, but. What the last they, even when they were the last five, the last, was the was the peak. Antonio's last three years, he's twenty seven and twenty four. No, I'm saying Penn State's last three or four years, which is the golden era of modern day Penn State football, was not better than Michigan State's golden era that happened six years ago. No. The expectations at Penn State are higher, but the 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 heights that they've reached have never outdone the heights that Michigan State reached. Michigan State won the Big Ten and went to the playoff one year. And that was the, when the stars aligned. And the expectation at Penn State is that's that, and it's not at Michigan State. I think it's much easier to exist at Michigan State than it is at Penn State. The stakes are higher at Penn State. The stakes are higher at Penn State to not reach the same heights as a place where they are. I think there are like 10 jobs maybe where you can win a national championship, and Penn State's one of them, and Michigan State I don't think is close. They've gotten closer to Penn State. They got close one time. I'm not yeah. trying to take away the 25. They've gotten closer overall in the playoff era than Penn State ever did. Absolutely, they have. Yeah. Well, and but I don't. I think that's an exception and not a rule. Like Penn State as a program is built to compete for national championships more than Michigan State is. As a brand, as a recruiting base, resources. It's not even. I don't think it's close. Yeah, I know. I think they. I agree with that. Yeah, I don't disagree with it. But I'm saying being put in that scenario. I think the being put in a place where the expectations are higher because of higher 
I'm not saying it'd be like any easier suck. existence. For, I'm not saying it's an any easier existence for Luke Fickle. Like if I were but Luke if Fickle, I had the choice I think I would of two, if you had the choice of the two jobs right now, they're both sitting on you and run the table. You take Michigan State instead of Penn State. Not with all the crap that's going on. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying. Neither would I. But I wouldn't wait four years to go to Penn State either. I'm not saying wait four years to go to Penn State. I'm just saying think pretty hard about whether or not this is the right right situation for you to be successful because there's a lot of shit going on at Michigan State. Yeah, I feel like Penn State's a very un. I wouldn't want that job ever. I think Penn State thinks they are what they aren't. Yeah, that's an interesting program. I I I think I think largely the perception of that job is what I just said it was. Is you can win a national championship there, but it's like on the lower end of that. It's pretty hard. It's also going to say like, really? Do you really think you can? Yeah, I think you can. Well, I mean, Ohio State exists, so maybe not. That's a that's an awfully hard roadblock to get through, I guess. I they, think it's a program that can recruit well. James Franklin's a hell of a recruiter. They have not come close to recruiting. I mean, he's not a good coach. But they haven't come close even in recruiting to putting together classes the way Ohio State has. They haven't? Wasn't Were his... they top five five years in a row? No, I think they were I think they had top five back to back years. It's not the same, but it's not I don't think there's a tremendously wide gap. I think like They're the only program in the current, that comes close. Yeah, but I think that the current climate of college football, Ohio State is like one of five, six programs that can actually win it. And I guess like the sixth or seventh spot on that list is kind of a revolving door. And maybe Penn State is in the back end of that sometimes. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I think that taking a job with the expectation of winning a national championship is rarefied air for only five or six programs. I don't think the expectation at Penn State is win a national championship. I think it's compete to get into the playoff and win Big Ten titles. when you can, and Not yeah. every year, but compete for Big Ten titles. Yeah. That's like that's just an interesting place because it's like Penn State's. And we're really getting off on a tangent, but that's like what's fun about the podcast. Penn State's recruiting East. You know, like oh, Penn State's in the Big Ten, but their recruiting base is Jersey and Philly, right? Maryland, Maryland, Jersey, DMV area. DMV, yeah, and it's like for Fickle in the context of this conversation, he wants to go west if he's there. And I don't know, maybe Penn State would have a whole new recruiting strategy if that were to happen. But to me. It's like bird in the hand or two in the bush, right? Mm -hmm. I take the bird in the hand right now. Always go birds. Was, always thought that was a funny thing. Go birds. Go birds. Um, I don't think you're wrong and I'm right. I don't think like I'm yeah. not. That's not where I think I'm it's at an interesting this. discussion. I just, I just think there are more things to consider other than like you seem like a perfect fit for this in a lot of ways. I think there's just a lot to consider. If he takes it, I'm not going to be surprised. And if he takes it, I don't think he's going to be wrong. If I were him, I don't think I would do it. But I can certainly see why it would. Landis turned down the uh, L.A. Dodgers beat from the L.A. Times because he was waiting for better st stuff to come. I was waiting. Yeah, I was waiting for the Phillies beat that the Philadelphia yeah. Inquirer. <laughs> Never came, and here I am. <laughs> Sitting in my office talking to you. Um, anything else? We want to talk about Kerry Combs a little bit? Yeah, sure. <laughs> he said, what did you say to Kerry today? He said, Kerry, you just got here. People are already worried about when you're going to leave again. Yeah, I said, hey, Kerry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Kerry and I and Kerry and Doug and... You know, a few of the more eccentric reporters have always had like a funny give and take with him. And I went outside to work on another story uh, when he was doing his introductory press conference. And um, then Kerry came out to the indoor practice facility and I said, hey, Kerry, good to see you again. He goes, hey, good to see you. I said, OK, I've got an off the off the wall question for you. And he goes, not surprised. <laughs> it's like picking up right where we left off. And it's just like, uh, you haven't really started your job yet. It's not the spring, and people are already freaking out about you leaving to Cincinnati if Luke Fickle takes the Michigan State job. And, like, people, like, I got, like, 10 tweets about that. 
people were mad at you for bringing it up? No, people were asking oh, before we're we got here today. I yeah, I think it's a fair thing to worry yeah. about. Yeah, it's like I don't know what Carrie Combs bad timing. You know, Carrie Combs is like was really like excited. Like that guy's like genuinely happy. I wish I could live like that every day, being that happy all the time. But like, would he leave to go to Cincinnati if Luke like Luke Fickle? Like, what is his dream job? To be the defensive coordinator at the big school that can win a national championship? Or go be the head coach at Cincinnati? Because I know some people felt like he went to the NFL to make himself a more qualified candidate because Luke Fickle got the job over him. The UC job? Yeah. I think he felt like that should have been his job. I mean, Fickle had brief head coaching experience and was a coordinator. I guess I would understand the sentiment, but I think the right guy got that job. Yeah, right or wrong, but like, if that's the job he wanted and it comes open, I mean, you must feel bad for him. I mean, he's, he he's choosing yes or no. He's choosing. Like, he's choosing between uh, like one million dollars and a couple million dollars. So like, it's not the ultimate tough decision. Or people people have had to choose worse things. But like, to, like you could tell talking to him today, like he genuinely he wanted to come back to Ohio State. And I think was hopeful for the opportunity, and it finally came, and he's finally back here. And now, like I, I think there's a pretty good chance that if Luke Fickle leaves, that Cincinnati would come would come back on Kerry Combs' door. <laughs> what would you do? I don't know what I would do. Wait for the Alabama job. The thing about it, yeah, wait for the Alabama <laughs> job. The thing about the thing about Cincinnati is no one has a long shelf life there. So if Kerry Combs is just like presented with this job in the ultimate case of bad timing and just decides like I can't do this right now like I just got here, similar like Jeff Halfley got offered the Bengals offensive yeah like he, he could take it in two thousand twenty five he can take it in two thousand twenty like two years Fickle leaves yeah. Marcus Freeman becomes a head coach Marcus Freeman does well I don't know Jeff Brom goes to coach the Detroit Lions and Marcus Freeman becomes a head coach at Purdue and Kerry Combs is in Cincinnati yeah. in two years you yeah I mean? well Cincinnati's a stepping stone job but yeah. it might not be for him. True, Freeman or Kerry? Kerry. Oh yeah, Kerry. No, yeah. if there was anybody who was ever going to like run it out, but it's not a now or never situation. Then it's a really good point that you made. Yeah. So I, if he was presented with the opportunity and he went, I think I'd be kind of shocked. But never say never. I suppose we'll see. Luke Fickle still has to decide what he's doing. Do you think? Uh, gun to your head right now, will Luke Fickle be Michigan State's head coach yes. next year? Yeah, I think he will be too. It'll be interesting. You know, I think I'm a, I'm a strong man with good morals. I think I'm a good person. When you hear that beep, 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 you know what that is? What's that? What are these? That's the Brinks truck. <laughs> the back back doors of those door. bags for falling out. He's got a lot of kids, man. He's got like 12 He's kids. Got, yeah, nine sets of twins. Like this guy needs. That's a lot of, that's a lot of Jordans. Yeah, I. Uh, there aren't a lot of things I wouldn't do for the Brinks truck. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Money talks. Yeah. Yeah, timing and waiting and NCAA and um, uh, being aligned with your athletic director and, you know, all the things that we we're discussing. It's like the only thing that matters is beep, beep. Why'd you take the job, you know, with all this? Oh, they uh, tripled my salary. <laughs> Which is the reason for 85% of all coaching decisions. Yeah, of course it is. We know it's yeah. not the only thing, but, like, it helps. It's like Kerry Combs today. Like I believe everything Kerry Combs said about loving Ohio State, wanting to come back to Ohio State. Yeah, it was probably made a hell of a lot easier by the fact that like doubled the salaries. Yeah, one point two. I'd double my. I'd go work for. I don't know who. Who would I go work for? Yeah, I know. Who would you invite, living or dead, to dinner? 
<laughs> you see that Watch story? yourself, Did man. You We're, story? I'm not trying to lose my job. <laughs> that story was unbelievable. Yeah. No, God. Just I don't even want to be in the atmosphere of that. We didn't say it. He said it. I know, but... I just can't imagine saying something like that. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, living or dead, uh, I would invite um, Tupac over for dinner. He's living and dead. It depends on what you believe. Yeah. Okay. Anything? Uh, How long have we been going? We're almost at an hour. Oh, really? Jeez, there was some stuff from Kerry Combs about the defense and like structure and coverages and all that stuff, and I think I'm just going to write about it. Yeah, but so. I also feel like we have no access for a month. Mm-hmm. And we got a lot of information today, and we got to figure out how to break it all down. And we're going to come. We are a written uh, entity. So, theathletic.com uh, slash writing. So, we're going to write a bunch of stuff, and we're going to have uh, three or four more podcasts between now and when spring football starts. So, like, what is it? We will have podcasts before spring football. Yeah, I don't starts. want. I don't, know. I don't know how many. Not, but we have a lot to, to kind of break down, and we can come up with ideas based on things we got today moving forward for the next ones and i hope that you didn't want to slam in uh your brakes and scream because we talked too much about luke fickle but i think it does have an impact on ohio state and he's an ohio state person so it for sure has an impact on ohio state real quickly before we go please subscribe rate and review uh wherever you listen to podcasts we've picked up some five-star reviews since the last time i asked you to do that here is a sampling uh from shanerbaum five stars for bill Three for Ari. Bill needs some love. And then from uh, somebody else says five stars for Bill. Ari's a shithead. So somebody said Ari's a shithead. Yeah. What the hell, man? That wasn't me. Yeah, you took it too far, man. No, we said we said we. I'll have, take whatever you want for five have, stars. We have know. thick skin here. We have th- we have thick skin here. Five but stars. You got to get your all your people off of me. You know. I don't think that's anybody I know. I only yeah. have like three friends. You wrote that on your own account. If we're going to accuse people of things that they might have written about themselves in the comment section. Yeah, I might have done you that. You saying that about me is the most believable thing I could come up with. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, subscribe, rate, and review. Try not to be too insulting, but you know, basically say whatever you want. Yeah. If you're going to get five stars, five stars, five stars, five stars. And subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash four dash six. We will be back with you guys at some point before spring ball starts. Spring ball starts the first week of March. Um, so about a month from now, we'll have... Uh, a couple more shows I think before then and we'll see you then thanks for listening looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events we've got the spot Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.